Hello and welcome to the place you call home. My name is Deneen Rowe and this is a podcast where I speak to people about what home means to them and what they would like that place to look like in the future. So um, this week uh, my guest is Nico Bossetti. Nico and I have known each other for a few years and we worked together for about four years Um, and now Nico is a transport planner. He's based in London but grew up in Paris Um, and so we sort of dive into what that means for him when he thinks about the concept of home um, and how that might be something completely different in the future. I hope you enjoy this episode and I will pop in again at the end just to round things off uh, and to share the links. So see you in a bit. Hello Nico. Hi Janine. How are you today? It's Friday so I'm doing very well. How about you Janine? Uh, I'm not too bad. It's been a long week um, in a rush to get everything done for Christmas. Um, and I'm, I really, really want a roast dinner this weekend, but I don't want to make a roast dinner this weekend. So I'm going to see what I can do about that. Um, so let's start off the way all podcasts start off. Tell me a bit about yourself. Uh, so I'm uh, Nico. Uh, I'm a Frenchie who's been uh, around London for just over 10 years now. I became British a few years ago. I feel very much settled here. Uh, And some of the things that make me happy are um, spending time with friends, uh, going out dancing, especially on disco and funky music, um, growing plants in in gardens and going swimming if possible lakes uh, and then has a few which delights me and then uh, in my day job planning for sustainable which i also enjoy yes um so obviously you've lived in a few different places um so the concept of home what someone says well, what does that mean to you what do you think of is it a place is it a person i was thinking about this yesterday when you gave me this assignment yeah. and part of what i found difficult is that there is no really a concept of home in french in the way that you have it in english Ooh. the way i understand home in english is that it can be where you live yeah but it can also be where you belong yeah and it could be where you come from yeah so people will say back home we do this uh even though they live in a different country so um so there's kind of this three meanings to it and we don't really have that in france uh so i wanted to ask you which whether i get to pick a meaning or whether you have one in mind already for this podcast no 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 no, not at all you get to choose a meaning um i i've never i didn't know that this doesn't really translate into french that's so interesting um so but i guess where i live 
yeah. I think all three kind of make a home, and yeah. for me, they're slightly different places. So, where I live is London, mm-hmm. uh, and whenever I come back here, say after a trip, uh, it definitely feels like coming back home. Um, where I belong is a bit more complicated uh, because I feel like I belong in the UK. Yeah, you do. Here, having lived here for so long, and especially in London, uh, more so than the UK, because I don't know the UK very well. And I always feel like living in London, the rest of the country can be a very different place. Um, and especially East London, I would say, because I've equally not spent very much time in West London. Oh, I knew you loved that. <laughs> I knew I knew you were going to bring up your East London allegiance. <laughs> um, but I also feel in some ways that I belong back home in Paris. And I've just said back home, uh, yeah. which probably shows you that. Um, especially, I think, growing up in Paris or just outside Paris um, and having gone through the French school system or the... 90s and noughties cultural references back in France having had very much no idea of the UK pop bands that you had at the time those kind of things really remind me that where I belong is also somewhere else that I very much grew up somewhere else and I don't think I'll ever get this feeling of belonging in the UK that you might have if you grew up here and had all of this um so and it's true that i feel something special when i take the train back to paris and arrive at the gardiner there's a bit of me that feels like oh coming back home it's gonna be nice gonna have some nice croissant (laughs) are you trying to say that you don't have you don't get good croissant over here pret's finest hello (laughs) um pret is not the worst so i agree (laughs) That is such an English way of of, <laughs> of saying that you think it's terrible. <laughs> um, no, I generally have a. I will. I will pay for a pair of croissant when I'm in need. <laughs> <laughs> much, much like when one needs paracetamol. Yes. Mm, yeah. Okay. Um, so when you, so when you go back to Paris, because your your parents still live in France. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel when those things happen and you're in London, do you, is there a part of you that feels that you should be experiencing things in Paris? Depends on what the thing is. Um, quite often when it's a, when it's a happy moment, when it's a celebration, I kind of wish I was there. Um, when it's a sad moment, part of me wishes I was there with people who are close to me to support each other but I'm also quite glad not to be experiencing it myself. Okay. Um, so, and and that's also the feeling sometimes when I think, oh, Will, is there a thing about to deteriorate in France and is the far right about to come in power? There's a part of me that feels like, oh, I should be there, kind of bearing the weight of that from happening. But also I'm quite glad I'm potentially sheltered from it if that happens yeah um there's another dimension that i wanted to mention also is that there's a there's a place which weirdly feels like home even though i've never lived there okay that's italy oh 
well, that's well, that makes sense. That is part of your background. It is most of my background. Three of my grandparents are uh, are either Italian or Italian descent. Um, mm-hmm. But and so Italy's very always very much been the narr- the the place in the narrative of the family is where we come from as a family, even though they were very French and they totally feel like they belong in France and they would not have moved back or they I think that's the case for their parents. There's that that's the interesting interesting story of feeling Italy is home in some way, but it's not just because none of us have ever lived there past the age of four. <laughs> <laughs> so when you whereabouts in Italy are your family from as as much as you know? Uh mix of places. Uh, near Milan, mm-hmm. uh, for one grandparent. Near uh, in Emilia, near Piacenza, in another, for another grandparent. And then the third one is from the kind of east coast near near San Marino, um, which is at the time when they left Italy, they all spoke different languages. And mm-hmm. Italy had only been a country for maybe 40, 50 years. So um, between each other, they didn't really kind of speak a common language either. I guess the common language was French. Uh, maybe they're only Italian when Italian kind of spread out. But um, but it, yeah. That's so interesting. So where, because we haven't spoken, I will probably say this when we introduce each other, but Nico and I worked together for four years. We'll say we've known each other for, I think it's going to be about seven years soon, Nico. Um, and we share so many things, so many common interests. Um, but I don't know as much about your time in Italy. So when, first of all, where in Italy have you been? And secondly, where where do you get that feeling of, oh yeah, my this is part of me as well? Um, well, I've only been in Italy on holiday and never to visit family. Okay. <laughs> um, so we've, we've kind of lost contact with them now. Um, I think it was very much my grandparents' generation who was good at keeping that contact. So when I go, I go with my parents on holiday there. And I think it's more of the, some of the little cultural things that we do as a family. Like we listen to Italian songs on Sundays at Christmas. My parents like to watch uh, the Pope um, yeah. on on religious events. Um, I quite like to make Italian dishes. I remember my grandparents making Italian dishes that I loved. Uh, and then even though we didn't speak Italian at home, there's always a few Italian words that my grandparents would speak. Uh, and so I've kind of realized I've picked them up and I can understand Italian quite easily. I don't know if it's from speaking french or having those kind of italian words because the origins are exactly and then my my parents especially my dad speaks very lovingly about growing up with italian grandparents and how italian they were uh i mean my grandparents was a you know a shoe shoemaker so it doesn't get more italian than that wow no it really it really doesn't wow gosh that's so interesting but when you come back to London, it's usually not, it's not your local area, it's King's Cross. <laughs> so do you get that immediate feeling in King's Cross or when you go back to your base in East London? Um, I definitely get it in King's Cross, uh, St Pancras Station. First of all, is 
so beautiful. Um, well, and then I don't think I responded your your question yet on on where home is, <laughs> and whether it's a person or whether it's a place. Uh, and I think I probably would say it's kind of split up in all those different locations. Uh, yeah. There's some here. Um, there's some in different places in London. I feel like whenever I lived in a place and I've and I've been happy, I've felt a very strong positive emotion. Then that translates into feeling at home and um and I, I think I have quite a good spatial memory, uh, which probably explains why I'm a transport planner now. <laughs> but even if those people have gone, those little neighborhoods in London, those streets still like carry out quite a lot of weight and emotion for me. And I've always feel emotional when say, I cycle past a street where an ex used to live, uh, or when I'm back in France, when I by a street where I used to live with my parents. So, um, so yeah, I guess home is kind of split up in this little in dif these different places. Uh, yeah. That's going to be really interesting when it comes to the third question. Then, <laughs> um, so if you if you're describing home to someone who doesn't know it very well, you're doing sort of like a little bit of a deep dive, like a timeout kind of a vibe what just what would you tell people home is like do you want to speak about you can speak about all three places or maybe one place um i think i think home it, i'm going to go back with the the homes in france places where i feel excellent home because i feel like that's what you're looking for the name um, <laughs> I, also, I also don't know it i also don't know it as well like i know you're part of east london yeah. but france is yeah i'm i'm all in the canvas is here <laughs> um so what feels like home is uh obviously my friends and my parents being around um mm. and um, there's a few things. Uh, back where my parents live, it's very much their garden, the memories that I've got gardening in there with them. Um, and same in my grandparents' garden, memory I've got kind of cycling around their garden and uh, playing. The garden's big enough for you to cycle around. I mean, I was five, so yes. <laughs> 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 um, and then um, the stuff, I think, feels very much homey, like furniture and things that are around the house that I've seen. Um, my parents, I'm lucky, haven't moved since about 2000, so for tw 23 years. So oh, that's lovely. the stuff is very much still there and there's yeah. more of it. Um, what else gives, makes me feel of home? The kind of what's the area like? The area, um, it's a kind of mix of it's a suburban place, but you're okay. fifteen minutes away from Paris by the train. Uh, there's a boulangerie around the corner, which does of course the fifteenth best croissant in the region. Um, so going to that the boulangerie, I remember when I was coming out of primary school and going to that boulangerie and buying all the pastries and all the bread and eating it in one go now no i forgot to get to, to get the bread today i'm sorry mom <laughs> um the paris metro uh 
there's a very strong transport theme to this. <laughs> the yes, Paris yes. Metro really reminds me of traveling to uni because uh, I studied in Paris mostly. Because uh, it's more common in France for you to stay at home and then travel in rather than living in halls, right? Yes. If you're from okay. the city where you're studying, there's no reason for you to be living in a hall, um, especially in Paris. Um, so yeah, uh, kind of the metro people watching like this kind of this kind of stuff makes me makes me feel at home. And then museums, bars, uh, places where I used to hang out when I was a student. Uh, all, all all of that makes me feel at home when I go back to Paris. So in because you studied in London as well, so you have a couple of master's degrees. Um, I know you got one of them in London. And I know that where, where you, do you mind if I said you went to LSE? You said it. So, <laughs> no, because I can always take it, I can always take it out <laughs> if you don't want people. Go for it. Um, so obviously I didn't go to UCL, but when I went there a couple of weeks ago, um, I really, I sort of felt for the first time that once you're by that big globe and sort of in the middle of all the buildings, you sort of don't feel like you're in London. You really feel like you're just in LSE, which is crazy because you are really in the middle of London. Mm. So, and that I think is quite rare for London universities. In Paris, do you have the same thing where it's like a student neighborhood or are you just like a part of the city? Um, I've, I had that same feeling of being part of the city. Um, I think because it was also very much an inner city university with like a campus style environment. Um, so I would say similar, similar to LSE um, in, in, in the vibe. And yeah, maybe in a different way in that the buildings haven't all been knocked down in the last five years. <laughs> and rebuilt. <laughs> So, so you get more, a bit more of that sense of history. Paris is full of landmarks. Um, but where you grew up, just at South Paris, are there any like specific buildings that you see or bridges or anything like that that makes you feel like, oh yeah, that's part of my home? Um, it's going to be a very basic thing to say, but the Eiffel Tower every time. Yeah. I yeah. you can you can see it from the streets next to where my, my parents are and whenever I see it uh, it's always a nice little touch especially when it's shining at night um, I mean there's not there's not a lot of things that are remarkable in the suburb where I grew up so everything that's interesting is very much in Paris you wouldn't really go there unless in the suburb unless you live there um, mm. so it's also in Paris that I started going out and uh, during my student years uh, and uh, discovering uh, the LGBT nightlife. So even though those places kind of shift in um, and the places were back, I, I went out back in the day, were definitely not the cool ones anymore. Uh, there's, still, there's still a feeling of, of coziness when you, you walk across them. Are those places, because in, in London, I think of, like, obviously, I'm, I'm lucky, I feel lucky to live near, like, a big LGBTQIA plus hub. Um, 
but I do feel like there are other it's not just like Vauxhall there are sort of other hubs or at least a few pubs in each area do you is it like that in Paris or or are things sort of split a bit more um things are more concentrated within Paris itself rather than in the suburbs where there's very little to do going out apart from some really cool disused industrial uh sheds rave parties but i'm definitely not in the know about them anymore um but um i think within that the nightlife has been moving east a little bit in time i've been away so uh i'm definitely discovering new areas when i go back so then does that mean that when you go back to your parents house the suburbs that must be like a reset then um does it serve as a reset because if there isn't sometimes because i'm from london i grew up here when you feel like when i feel like overwhelmed um or like my brain's gone really funny because i'm from london i don't have that thing of oh i'll just go back to where i grew up and have a reset Mm. if that makes sense um but i'm always interested in this part of the reason why why i'm doing the podcast when people have a base that isn't in london or isn't Mm. in the city when you have that feeling of i just need not like a holiday but you just need like a reset just don't do anything Mm. does your parents home serve as that place no um and just because when you're back at that base um there's a bit of a rush of memories okay and that reminds you of the time that's passing that's past so it's more of a it's more of a reflective base than a one where you can switch off your brain that's interesting do you become do you go back into teenage nico when you're staying with your parents very much not i should say and your and your sister you also your sister younger than you she's three years younger three years younger but and lives in belgium she does i'm uh, definitely go back and i'm not going back into the closet teenage nico (laughs) teenage nico still exists but in some ways it very much doesn't exist anymore (laughs) (laughs) um so I think we've led on quite nicely to the third question, which is sort of thinking ahead into the future and how you want the place places that you call that you call home to look like in the future as a transport planner. I know a lot of your work is looking at like moving sort of behavioral changes in areas and that big behavioural shift when it comes to active travel and transport infrastructure. So let's look at a few different places, maybe. So we can do like 10 years time in Paris. What would you, or maybe the suburbs you're from, what would you want that to look like or be like? It's a good question because when I left Paris, Paris was very much looking to London for as the place that showed what the future looks like. Uh, yeah. all the shiny buildings, successful economy, international city, really 
diverse and integrated in a way that Paris isn't uh, or doesn't feel like. Um, not that London feels like this, but it's very much the feeling that you had back in Paris at the time. Um, and I feel like 10 years on, a lot of people are thinking the reverse. People are London. Ouch. Lots of people are in, in not in a way that London's gone backwards, but as a feeling that there's a lot of good ideas and new things coming from Paris. And Paris is a place where you can innovate, at least in terms of sustainable transport, creating pedestrian spaces, new green spaces, uh, cycle spaces, um, in a way that London maybe uh, isn't doing or in, in its entirety, or maybe isn't as radical. Um, and Paris is also in that moment where it's going to organize the Olympic Games. Um, um, there is a there's there's a government that's very liberal so um so yeah it's an, it's an interesting kind of exchange of places i don't know how long it will last um so what i would love to see in well the things that kind of pains me when i come back to paris is still how segregated uh um very peripheral areas uh because of the housing crisis um, feeling a lot more like people are relegated there um, and I'm sure it's it's just a feeling I don't live there anymore uh, there's a lot of mixing going on uh, but it still very much feels like the city of Paris itself is gentrified and gentrifying really quickly uh, and people are kind of pushed further and further out and the kind of people who are pushed are people who are from racialized minority um, so I'd really like kind of Paris to shift on that in 10 years time uh, and feel like it's a more um, it's a it's a more equal place it's a more or at least it's a place where equal opportunities are are being experienced by people um, I mean there's a very shiny transport network that's going on uh, a kind of crossrail type but it's a loop going around Paris um, it's gonna be very cool but it's also there's, it's been, it's been cast as the fix to kind of the fact that Paris is so divided, and definitely won't be. <laughs> um, there is no one big solution, is there? No. I think that's always the trick. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, in ten years' time, I'd like that. I'd like Paris to become even more liberal than it is today. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely sometimes fearful that. It's about to be dragged by a country that's going backwards in some ways. Uh, um, so um, I hope we manage to kind of fend that off. And in terms of, so we've spoken a lot about transport. Oh, housing's quite interesting. Like the, the buildings, see that changing in 10 years or do you think that's just that will always be the consistent thing about Paris. I think it very much depends on where you are. So, um, if you are in a conservative suburb of Paris, then um, you're not really seeing like you're seeing kind of new neoclassical buildings being built in 2023. It feels very weird um, in a way that doesn't really happen in London. 
Um, it's very pampering. Yeah, and then if you're in a if you're in a a more forward-looking area, then you've got like so many different colors in your building. It's like, oh, this building is green and blue and red, and there's so much going on. You're not quite sure what is going on. <laughs> um, but there's some cool stuff. Um, there's been a one project in Southeast Paris has uh, basically built a whole new development above above railway yards that are still in use. So it's all on a whole neighborhood that's all on stilts. Oh wow! Um, so it's, there's, they've definitely uh, they're definitely trying hard to modernize the city. That sounds wonderful. And okay, London, London in ten years time. Um, could talk about your local neighborhood, the city on the whole. What would you like to see? Well, I don't know if London will still be home in ten years' time. Um, doesn't mean that I don't care, uh, but the the plan isn't kind of written at that that kind of length. Okay. Um, what would I like to see in London? Um, as a as a cyclist and a pedestrian and a public transport user, um, yeah. I would. I would like the place of cars in central inner London to be reduced by a lot. Yeah. Um, I think we'll all be better off from it. Um, I would like there to be, um, to kind of find that balance between more housing and housing density while also keeping and holding on or even creating more spaces where people feel like they belong, generally nice places, green places. Um, and then I would like there to be a lot more places to have fun. Uh, yes. It feels like the the nightlife is uh, it's kind of like moving out a bit. I know there's there's some brand new clubs popping up in, in some cool areas, central London. Um, but um, it feels like the the licensing system has just become really strict and the policing the policing of the nightlife has become so strict that uh the number of venues you can count on for throwing up a good party is I could count on my hand on my on my fingers of one hand. Mm-hmm. Um so I hope there's a bit of a it's a continuous renewal, but I hope we've we've got more spaces where you can we can throw a good party. I feel like because you and I have been out in Soho before, but 10 years time, you that might not be London. Do you, if it's not London, do you have any thoughts maybe? Has somewhere piqued your interest? Because transport, you can really work anywhere. Um, I completely fell in love with Berkeley, uh, but I think it felt home in that very specific moment of being a student, living in a student commune, um, and having gone back with all the people I knew there gone it felt like home but also it felt like it was home in the past um and i feel like the bay area is still still beautiful um but somehow feels feels like it's been a, taken over by uh by big tech and um yeah. and then and in a way it still feels like a, a, a small city compared to london or paris um where would i see myself also the american Social security system just feels very scary. Um, oh yeah, let's yeah. So where would I see myself in that time? Um, I don't know, but I like learning new languages. 
and I've started learning Portuguese and Spanish. Um, so I would quite like to spend some time in a Spanish or Portuguese speaking country. Madrid okay. sounds very fun. And yes. so does, so do a couple of cities in Brazil. Um, but we'll see how that works out. This is, this is the kind of, you know, ideas in your head that probably will not happen, but it's still nice to think about what if it could. Yeah. Especially because you've done it before. So you know that you can do it again. You've moved cities before. Yes. Um, but, uh, having that kind of format where you move to a city as a student already know the language, um, yeah. and study at university that gives you one of the most extensive professional networks in the country does help. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Also, you were about to correct yourself when you said expensive, but that is also correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's such an international place. It's yeah. Wild. Um, well, that's the last question. Can I ask you one question, Deneen? Of course you can. Um, how many places feel, feel like home to you? Um, so when I leave London and then come back, if I'm driving, which is rare, um, as soon as I start to see signs for that, the congestion charge or anything related to London, then I feel like I'm home. Mm. Airport's completely different. I have to leave that space and actually see a place to feel like I'm back home, especially if I'm in Gatwick, then I really need to get to Clapham Junction. When I'm in London, as soon as I cross the river back to the south side, then I feel like, okay, I'm home. This, this feels like home. So when I go to East London, most of the time I'll cross over if I see where I'm crossing over from on transport, I cross over at Tower Bridge. And as soon as I'm on the other side, I feel like, okay, yeah, I'm home. This feels like home. Interesting. Um, and I can't really explain it. I don't know where it comes from, but yeah, it, it's just a feeling that I can't, that I cannot fight off. I mean, I'll give you that. I'd take borrow over Tower Hill any day. Yeah. 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 I mean, cuisine alone, except you'd be broke. Um, I've actually got a very interesting story about Borough, but I'll have to tell you that off air. Uh, so all that's left to say is thank you very much, Nico. Thank you for having such me. An in, such an interesting conversation. Don't overdo it. No, it was. It, it absolutely was. Because we haven't spoken. Like, obviously, I know like, roughly where you grew up and, and so on and so on. But you're like potentially living in another city. I hadn't thought about that for you for a while. And like, being in like the suburbs and me not. I, I thought of where you grew up as like your reset, but the fact that it doesn't necessarily feel like that to you is something new. I didn't know that. Um, so yeah, thank you very much.
much. Thank you, Deneen. See you tomorrow night in Canning Town. Yes. And that is that. Uh, thank you again to Nico for joining me. Thank you for listening. Um, I have been really heartened by the feedback that I've received about the first episode. So please keep it coming. Um, does the concept of home in the way that we think about it in English exist in other languages? If not, what's different? Let me know. Um, you can get in contact with me. Um, via uh, Instagram or Twitter, um, my username uh, is short Saki S A R K Y um, eight eight on Twitter and Instagram, um, and I will share the links in the episode notes where you can find out a bit more about Nico's work. Um, we will be back with another episode next week. Uh, Until then, take care and see you soon. Bye.